Good morning. All right, these are the survivors. Right? We got an onslaught of texts and uh, informing that they're not feeling well. So, again, keep surviving, all right? Let's go to the book of uh, Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. It's in your notes, but we can go over there. Acts chapter number 20. Pray for Brother Kelly. He is uh, helping another church that that would ask us for help once in a while when they need uh, somebody to preach for them. And uh, the Friedman family, Brother Friedman is uh, with COVID right now. And they don't have any other preacher. So, Brother Kelly died. I called him late last night, Saturday night. I got a phone call Saturday from Brother Friedman that uh, he's not feeling well. So, Brother Kelly died. is there this morning. We should have him back, Lord willing, tonight. And then, pray for Pastor Cole. He is at uh, New Beginnings this morning. All right, Brother Herdsick, right there in Kennedy. He'll be there this morning. He should be back with us tonight. And then also pray for uh, Brightway. Uh, they're expecting uh, six baptism this morning. And they've accumulated uh, some people that wanted to get baptized, and they wanted all baptized together. And so they borrowed Hilltop Baptist Church's portable baptistry. I couldn't let them borrow ours. It's not portable enough. And they wanted to get baptized at their church. So that means something to them that to be baptized at that building with their church folks. So that's going to happen this morning. Brother Gallo is excited about that. And uh, we let him borrow our robes and different things like that. And so pray for that. And he should be here with his family tonight. So just exciting about all of that. And uh, talk to Brother Shut. They started their Thursday night. That Normally that would be shut down during this time. And uh, he's excited about it. Had a decent uh, number of people show up last uh, this past Thursday and uh, so he's excited about all of that. So very, very, very good things happening amongst our sister churches and, and even us here. And so just uh, pray for those things as they're happening. Acts chapter number 20 in uh, verse number 24. Keep your, uh, keep your finger there. And I'm going to go ahead and pray and we'll finish our lesson uh, today, uh, real church, this is uh, real faithfulness, real faithfulness, and we'll be done with the entire series of real church, and the next week we'll start a, a slew of lesson on uh, making homework, making homework, talking about uh, having a, a home, a family, husband and wife and children, and looking at God's principles and God's point of view on what a family should be, all right, according to the scripture. So we're going to start uh, an endeavor on that, and we're going to use some technology. So it's going to be fun next week, and I might be standing over there so that I can see it with you. We're going to use the projector, and we're going to give you some notes that uh, may be a little bigger than what you're accustomed to getting, and we'll have some uh, uh, some visuals with it. So uh, think about that. If you have anybody that have maybe raising children or anybody that, uh, is thinking about having a family or just newly married or getting into marriage or, or even grandparents that have grandkids that they, that they actually take care of and raise. A lot of, 
a lot of people now these days uh, for do of work, some of it, some of it is necessary where parents are having to go to work and leave their children to grandparents and so that they can make, find means to make a living in their very, very high rate of living right now. And so that could be something you would want. I know several people that bring grandchildren here and uh, you're involved with your grandbabies. Uh, it also will help you as a grandparent and get some principles of Scripture how to raise a child according to the Bible. All right? And so uh, we'll look forward into that uh, study that will start next week. And then uh, for Sunday school announcements sake, the 24th is uh, Christmas Eve that falls on a Sunday. And then the 31st, which is New Year's Eve, that falls on a Sunday. Those two Sundays back to back, we will not have Sunday school. All right? We'll just come here on the morning service at 11 a.m. And we'll get right into the morning service, and there'll be no evening services for those two Sundays. All right? So go ahead. If you want to do anything bad, do it then. No, just kidding. But uh, it's just for the sake of trying to uh, celebrate the family. And uh, we're pro-family in the church. and be a good time for us uh, to be with our family and use it wisely to invest in people you love. All right? And uh, bring some people along. Some of you uh, share your family with other people that have become family to you. Uh, You have adopted them into your home. Uh, You invest in church people that uh, maybe don't have family. And so use those times for that, all right? So the 24th of December and 31st, there'll be no Sunday school, and there'll be no evening service. Just be here in the morning. So we'll start, though, next week uh, with that new uh, uh, lesson, and we'll just keep going like we did with Real Church until the Lord uh, helps us finish with that. So I'm there now, so we can start. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll keep going this morning. Lord, we ask that you'd bless, help those that are not feeling well, so many of them uh, that are really under the weather. Lord, the change of weather and just getting colder. I pray, Lord, for uh, health to be given back to those that need it, and Lord, that uh, they'll be back with us in assembly. Lord, as some of them are watching online, I pray that uh, you'll bless them, as they're not able to be here due to sickness, Lord, I pray that you'd bless them online. And I pray for those that are able to come, Lord, I pray that uh, they would come if they're able to and they're healthy. Lord, I pray that they'll find uh, that your house is a welcoming place for any Christian and any even lost people. Lord, I pray that uh, they would come to your house today. Help those uh, different uh, people I've mentioned that are ministering at other places today that would otherwise be here with us. Lord, help them, empower all of them uh, to be a blessing wherever they may be. Lord, bless us all tonight, again, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and remember what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that uh, we would put an emphasis on that even tonight. Help me, Lord, this morning as I continue this lesson of real faithfulness, and I pray that it will be challenging and also be encouraging, Lord, that we can be faithful, Lord, because... Great is thy faithfulness. And Lord, as we hang on to you, we can remain faithful as we abide in you, as you tell us in your word. Lord, bless again those that are listening. Those that are not here with us, Lord, I pray again, bless them. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So in the way of study now, before we go to Acts twenty twenty four, we looked at real faithfulness. And we looked at the life of Paul and kind of using him as a, as an example, and getting some principles so that we could apply it in our lives so that we could also be faithful like he was. 
you know, and we find that there was three characteristics that we see in his life, and that was Roman numeral number one. If you still have your notes, I don't have any more for you. This is the third time, so I'm hoping you have your notes with you. Uh, but it was bound by compassion. He had compassion. And letter A, he was burdened for people, all right? And then letter B, he was bound to witness. And then uh, Roman numeral two, another characteristic he had that kind of kept him faithful, not only was he bound with compassion, he was bold in tribulation, amidst opposition, amidst when it's not going the right way or it's not smooth, per se, as humans, we would say it's not going smooth. It's a bit rough. There's opposition and problems. He was bold in tribulation, all right? In letter A, he anticipated trials. Anytime you want to do something for the Lord, anytime you attempt something for God, know that the enemy will put obstacles in your way and hindrances, and he will put discouragement, and he will put uh, things in the way to cause problems, okay? It just is the way it goes. So, per se, in the church, when things are happening good, guess what? Amongst the good, there's going to be bad things happening. It's just the way our world works right now until the devil is completely eradicated, completely gone. One day, we will not feel his presence anymore. He'll be gone, all right? And sin will be gone, but until that time comes... We are in a warfare, and so Timothy warns us as Christian, part of our perspective is that we are soldiers, and we have to endure hardness, all right? It's not going to be all uh, fine and dandy. It's not going to be all just going smooth. Now, praise the Lord, for the most of us, I would, I would admit, uh, for the most of us, even in our life, uh, the, the trials have been very minimal for me, uh, and I don't want to use this another illustration, but uh, Yvonne's life has not been smooth. It's been a very trial, big trial. And I've not had that happen to me. Uh, and nobody wants to have things happen to them. And not even Job did not anticipate that. Uh, but the idea here in letter A, in, in review, he anticipated trials. He was just aware that it could happen. And that is what I'm trying to say, and I think uh, the author of this curriculum is trying to make a point, that life on earth, because it is cursed with sin, there is bound to have evil happen to even good people. And so that includes you. Things can happen to you. Things will not go away. You can have a flat tire. You can have an engine that breaks down. Your transmission will go, all right? It's just part of this cursed world, all right? Things Go to decay, part of the law of thermodynamics. But anyways, going on, uh, not only did he anticipate trials, letter B, he endured testing. He endured testing, all right? Uh, Somebody made a quote, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Faith that cannot be tested or has not been tested cannot be trusted. Do you know that before you get into the vehicle that you're driving today, all the fancy luxury that it has, and it's more than a vehicle today, it's really a computer in there, it's really a lazy boy in there, it's got all the fanciness, and, and the, 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 the more the money you pay, the more bling it has, all right? And practically, at one point or another, it can do the driving for you, all right? But <clears throat> before that ever has been manufactured and then given to us, 
it has been tested in a facility somewhere that all the safety features of that vehicle works. They actually crash vehicles to test the frames, to test the airbags, and all of those things have to be tested before they sell it to you so that you can sit your little behind on that driver's seat and you can be comfortable to drive that vehicle. So that's a principle of faith. If your faith cannot be tested, it cannot be trusted. And the trial that comes into your life is God seeing you sometimes and saying, I know, I know they can handle this. And that's a mighty, mighty high compliment. And it's hard to say that to people. I, I couldn't say that to Yvonne at this point. And if she's listening online, Yvonne, we, our heart goes out to you. And please know the, the, the heart that I'm saying this. You know that uh, it's hard to say that to somebody going through a horrific, horrific tragedy. But it is with the light of mind that God is saying, I trust you. That's why this is happening to you. And that's what he talked about Job. If you see the entirety of the first chapter of Job, God gives us the why. That's why Job went through the trials of his faith. He gave us the reason on the very first two chapters. It's because God wants to prove to the devil and the world that somebody that has trust in God can make it no matter what. Can make it no matter what. And so I know some of you are going through some horrific things right now. Things that are evil. Things that are a cause of sin. Cursed world. And you didn't necessarily do anything to deserve it. Uh, but, but it's there. And may you look at this perspective. It's probably God trusting you with something. And he's going to use you in a mighty way. It's not going to make it easier to know that. But it might be a little bit of an encouragement to know Maybe that's why I'm going through this, because God's going to use me in a mighty way for that he will get the glory in my life, in this trial. And so, uh, endure testing. So now we come to the latter uh, point, as the curriculum here is really good to give us three points all the time. That's the standard of this guy, Mr. Uh, Dr. Chapel. And so now we go to the third Roman numeral on your notes. And some of you are looking at your notes. I know who's has it and don't have it. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, burden to finish. Burden to finish. Burden is a sign of not always because there's problems, although it is problems. But burden is on a perspective now. is not necessarily uh, you cause problems to happen, but you want to be a help. And so you bear somebody else's burdens that you did not cause, but because of your constraining love of Jesus, that he bore our sins on the cross for us. He bore our burden of sin. We were responsible for the things we did wrong, and we had to pay for those. But Jesus is our uh, propitiation. He is our substitute. He came and took the responsibility, the burden of responsibility of sin. He took it out of our shoulders. And so we can sigh and say, glory be to God, praise be to his name. I don't have to pay for my sins. It's been paid for by Jesus Christ. And he took that burden. And as a Christian now, as we learn to abide in Jesus, Jesus is character and Jesus is attributes and Jesus is very nature. His divine nature, as it talks in Peter, is now going to be given to us. And guess what? Eventually... If not 
happening at this moment in life. If you've been saved, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. As you grow in Jesus, guess what's going to happen? You're going to now start bearing one another's burdens. That means you're going to grab a hold of somebody, and they have had things that have happened to them, and you're going to say to them, I love you, brother. I love you, sis. And I'm here as a friend. I'm here to help you. Can I bury that burden? Can I Not bury. That would be nice. But I can bear. Can I bear that burden? And they come alongside of you as a, as a helper. And they help you bury. Uh, help you carry. I want to bury somebody. And this brother, Tim Young. Tim Young said something. <laughs> Man's breakfast cake can't get out of my head. He goes, if you've been a pastor for any length of time, you have an urge to want to kill something. And that's probably what is happening in my mind here. So I've already done kill somebody. Now I'm just going to bury them. All right. You know, what, well, you know what he means, right? You won't understand. You don't pretend you understand what I just said. You're not a pastor. All right. You don't do what I do. You don't do what Pastor Cole does. That's why they're white hair. If they've been at it long enough, they either lose their hair or they're white haired. All right, don't pretend you know what the burden of the pastor is. All right, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to be careless and that you don't care. I know you pray for us, and I want you to pray for us. But uh, uh, I thought what, I knew what it was. I was a missionary for 10 years, but I was never the, the main guy. I was never the point guy. I was never the guy that everything stops at me. Uh, my decisions puts on the weight of this is what we're going to do now. Now that's happening. And guess what? I'm feeling the burden of responsibility as a pastor, and you will not understand it until you're a pastor yourself. You can pretend, and I appreciate that, because you helped me. You're trying to be sympathetic, but you will not know it. And I didn't understand that when somebody said that to me. How? What do they mean? I don't know what that means. I didn't really know until I'm, I'm in it now. I'm not even in a year yet, and the burden is there. And my wife is starting to see some white in my nice black hair. So, uh, so brother, brother Tim is very funny if you knew what he was. He didn't mean any ill about it. It's just that he loves hunting, and so he's making a funny joke about the fact that the pastor and some, just men and us, we want to we wanna exercise what God says, that we should have dominion over, over the whole earth. And so we want some steak, and if you get a steak, you have to kill some cows, all right? It's just that's what it was. So that's probably why I have the word berry in my mouth. So pardon that. That help you? All right. I hope it does. <laughs> Some of you looked at me like, what? <laughs> so there's context now. Are we all right? Let's move on. The burden to finish. None of us want the words of Christians who quit inscribed on our tombstone. Right? He was a quitter or she was a quitter. We want to hear our Lord himself say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we find that in Matthew 25 and verse number 23. These four principles, we're going to look at them now. There's subpoints here in the letter uh, until this uh, point number three. There's four principles are true at whatever point of your, uh, uh, you are in your Christian life. Whatever point in your Christian life, these four principles can apply to us. Whether you have stumbled in the past or are struggling right now or seem to be sailing fine. There's nothing. You're just going on and doing fine. Uh, you can learn from this. And practicing this principle is really key and vital to keep faithful until 
the end. And that's when the Lord either raptures us out of here or we physically uh, go to the grave. And then we'll meet the Lord, all right, through that. So let's go to subpoint letter A on your notes. Uh, here's a principle. Do not overvalue self. Do not overvalue self. So your blank there is overvalue. O-V-E-A. Oh, that's not how you spell that. O-V-E-R-V-A-L-V-E. V. <laughs> I can't even say Barry, right? I'm getting messed up. I can't even spell. Uh, I'm looking at it. O-V-E-R-V-A-L-U-E. All right? Man, that helped me to say that. Do not overvalue self. There is value in you. God made you unique, all right? So don't misunderstand that you're not valuable. That's not the point of the the, the text here, all right? But sometimes we think ourselves more highly than we ought to think. The Bible talks about that there is value in an individual. We value life. I praise the Lord that we live in a country that values life, and so that when we are burying people, it's an act of honor. Not to them being dead, but to the life they lived. All right? When, when properly, as we celebrate, somebody may be here someday, and there's a few people that have been here uh, in the sense of that their body is laying here, and we're celebrating them. We're not celebrating them being dead. We celebrate the life they lived. All right? And then in their burial, we're not celebrating death, so we're not being morbid about this. Oh, dead. Oh, no. And especially if they know Jesus and they live the life of a Christian, it's a place of celebration. It's, a, it's an idea of a graduation. It's a, it's a, wow, what a life that's been lived for Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost in their life. They've accomplished some things uh, with Jesus. Right? And it's a celebration. And so in our country, we believe in that. Uh, uh, burials, and it's, it's, got a, it's, got a, it's got a very formal ceremony that attaches us to it. And, and, and be careful with some traditions that you want to just get rid of. All right? Uh, there's some things in Scripture uh, that talks about that there's some good traditions that we should keep. Okay? And that's another time for another day. But think about that. All right? Uh, we honor a life that has been lived. And so that's why this is very hurtful for us. What happened to this family is very hurtful for us. And that's part of our Christian heritage. When somebody loses life, it means something. My wife and I, I'm going to give a story here. I hope nobody listening in Cebu, and if they do, they'll understand what I'm saying. There was a situation. Uh, we were taking a family home, and they go to our church, very faithful people in our church, and uh, one of the kids was playing a kite in the Philippines. They play, uh, they play kite. They make it out of uh, garbage bags or, uh, you know, the Walmart bags that you do. I know how to make it, all of that. I was a little kid. It was a cheap toy. And we have bamboos, all right, all over there. And we shave off bamboo, and they're very flexible. So we make all the arches and all of that. And we have uh, mama's uh, uh, thread from her sewing machine or whatever. We grab a few of that, and, and we'll use that to fly a kite, all right? And uh, so one little boy was doing that. He made one. He was a little, little boy. I think he was eight years old. And my wife and I, we were crying as this story is being told us. We were crying. We are bawling in the front seat. And the lady was, when I looked back, and she was kind of puzzled why, I, why we were crying. And I could never express to her why. And, uh, and uh, it was a little boy that, as he was flying it up in the sky and in the air, it, it got caught on the power lines. 
And so the mother was busy. Life in the Philippines is tough. Everybody has work, and they're making very little, but they're working a lot of hours. And a lot of times, kids are left uh, to fend for themselves, and they grow up very fast, especially the older ones that care for their younger, kids, younger brothers and sisters and their siblings. And so the, I believe it was a 12-year-old uh, brother that was feeling sorry for this little 8-year-old brother, and guess what he did? He climbed. And, and the Filipinos are amazing at climbing. They don't even have to have branches. I have to have branches, you know, to climb. They don't have to have branches. And they do it barefoot. And so this, this little boy knows how to do that. And so he climbed up, not knowing the, 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 the idea of what electricity does and how dangerous a power line could be. And I'm not going to tell you the, the, the rest of the story that this lady just almost no tears, just matter of fact, this happened. And I asked her, when did this happen? Oh, the other day. It was one of her neighbors. And, and you know what happened? The dear little boy was electrocuted up in the, while he was up there, and he fell. And I, I'm not going to tell anymore because it was too, too much. And we were crying. We were just crying in the front seat. And this lady goes, well, this is what happens around here. People just die. And it's a country that is not founded on some of the principles of scriptures. And you can kind of see that the value of life for them, it doesn't mean as much. And so that's something I'm thankful about being an American, that we value that, as a Christian especially. Okay? So, so, so think about that in, 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 in what I'm saying here. I don't want you to think that you don't value a life or an individual. But we get into trouble when we overvalue ourselves. And what happens is pride comes in. And you think yourself more than highly. And he's going to go to that here in our thoughts here. We can be our own greatest hindrances in this faithfulness idea. We either elevate or depreciate self. And that's why I want to be careful right down the line here. I'll explain all of that to give you an illustration to get you to the point of this. God did not make a mistake in making man. He did not make a mistake. He said, uh, one of the scripture writers said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Because it's hard to wrap our minds around why a God made us and is sticking by us and gave his very best for us. Why does he value us that much? Because he does. And, and, and we are with a value to him, and we have to remember that, all right? Uh, and so think about this, all right? Sometimes we get into the problem where we elevate ourselves or we depreciate ourselves, and we get some self-pity and false humility, false humility, all right? And that's, that's not a good thing, all right? That's not a good thing when you feel like, well, I'm not worth anything. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. I don't know why I'm here. That's all wrong. That's not the way the God of the Bible describes you and I. If he values the number of hair that you have in your head, and he bottles your tears, all right? I hope that gives you enough idea that he really cares for you, all right? Uh, he really cares for you. Pride is the problem when we go the wrong direction, either direction, all right? Let's put it back where it should be. Uh, we feel slighted because others... Uh, don't treat us fairly. And we have an idea what fair is. And if you're honest, and I'm honest, it's with our perspective, 
We're biased. All right? When we talk about somebody's not being fair, a lot of it is we don't see the circumstance as a whole. We see a point of view from our vantage point, and we feel we're slighted because we are a little biased to us in that situation. Right? I know because I have children. And I was a child at once. All right? It's time to uh, have cake. They're very, very particular how big the slides they get. And they'll tell you from their vantage point. Abigail never says, uh, it's not fair, Dad, that uh, Mariah got a little and I got a big one. That never is the problem. Right? The, normally the one that complains is the one that has the little one. And says, I didn't get as big as uh, you, Dad, you took and got a chocolate milk. What, Dad? Well, he went with me. That's part of the idea I'm telling to my children. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to manipulate them, but sometimes going with dad, you get stuff. Right? You get stuff going with dad because dad typically is working. Last night we were here, and the two big kids are with me because I need their help. All right? And so it's just that happens. And in the back of my mind, they don't know this. Don't tell them. I was thinking about because we dropped Mercedes off at her house, and guess what we have to drive back home by? And daddy loves this thing, and I shouldn't, but I do. And guess what, guys? It's a, they paid me about $200 to announce this. But uh, Dairy Queen, I think, is open all year now. And so I was tempted. Hey, they've been a good kids. They helped me and picked up stuff at the church. Maybe I should stop by and, and uh, buy some, uh, buy some uh, ice cream for us. You know, that's the best thing to do when, uh, when you're involved in your benefit to other people. You're involved in the benefit, right? That's really nice. Now, I'm not going to buy them uh, a meal, but I'll take you out for a meal so I get to, to eat with you, right? That's the best way to do it. But uh, so I was going to think about doing that, and then I thought of something. Mrs. Barron at home. And that really, you know, put the stamp of the nope. Because I have to be able to bring her something, too. And then if I brought her something, then I have Mariah now and Philip. So that got all put away. But what happens is I should have done is go there and say, now we cannot go home until everything is done. And we go maybe to Big Lots or uh, the McDonald's right before our house and drop it off in the trash can. And nobody is the wiser. So I don't know if that's good parenting or not, but uh, find something good in there. Uh, Paul had a view of self that is convicting, all right? He didn't count his life dear to himself, but wholly, wholly gave it over to the Lord. And look at Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 24. It's in your notes, and I hope you turn there. But none of these things move me, neither I count I my life dear unto myself. Now here's the, here's the thought. There's a, there's a nice praise there, because he believed that God, Counted his life dear to God. You see that? That's the beauty of being a Christian. And when we surrender our lives in Romans 12, 1 and 2, and Paul was the one that wrote that, when he surrendered his life to the Lord, he talked about it as a living sacrifice. He's not that he will not exist, but he would exist in this favor and grace of God as he lived his life, and he's saying he's the. He's his, uh, practicing humility and meekness, and he's saying deference. I'm going to defer everything to God. 
I'm going to let God have his way and will in my life. I'm just going to give it back to God. It's not really that he's devaluing himself. Because his self is a gift. That's why God, God, God values anyone and everyone that gives themselves to the Lord. Because every life to God is valuable. You, get, you getting me now? And so when, when Paul writes this, when he says, I don't value myself dear unto myself. Really, in the back of his mind, and he, I know this from the writing of, of Paul in his life, he placed the value on God's hands, meaning that God looks at his life and says, I value you, Paul, so you can give some of these things up because you know I value you. I don't know if you got that, but man, if you get that, serving Christ and sacrificing to do something for Jesus will be a lot easier. You know, as a Christian here, I'm a pastor, right? I surrendered to this. God called me to do all of this. And I learned this. God puts a value on my decision and on my life. He puts a value on my life. I know full well God loves me. That's what I mean when I say that. That means God places a value in my life. So I'm not saying it proudly, but I'm saying it this. I mean something to God. And so if I mean something to God, I rest in him putting value on me. And so when he says, son, can you not spend time with your family for this few hours? I need you to go visit somebody because they need your wisdom from the word of God that you have learned not because you're all that, but you know God's word, and you can help them in this situation. Would you go over to their house? And so I did, and I spent the hours that I could have done watching something I like, maybe doing something that's not sinful, but something beneficial maybe for me. But I end up giving all that up. Why? Because I don't value myself dear unto myself. Because I already rested in the fact that God values me. I don't know if that made sense to you. Maybe I have to say that over and over later and down the road. But look at what it says here. I, uh, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. So it's not like somebody that's having a willow. It's not something saying that, oh, I'm just such a poor person. Oh, my goodness, my life is just. It's not what he's, his attitude is not that. He realizes where real joy is. Because the Bible gives us this principle. If you want to find life, you lose your life. And it sounds bad until you get what I just was trying to talk to you about. It's not that you didn't lose your life. You gave it to Jesus. And you'll never lose it. He'll hold on to it. And he'll enhance it. And he'll promise you victory. And he'll promise you abundant life. What's abundant life? Completed. Overflowing. Never lacking. And so that's what he promises. You place your, 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 your life in Christ, and Christ values it so much, he'll protect it. And he'll provide you the things you need in life. And at times, he will test you. At times, he will put trials in there so that he ultimately gets the glory. You're in partnership, but he holds you. He holds you. And you know what happened to Job's life? He got... Twice as much as he had before. Because God is just that gracious. So look at this. So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry 
which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Later on, I'm preaching this Sunday morning. I'm going to talk about that grace, that favor that God gives to every Christian. And it starts with salvation. In this day of self-thought, self-esteem, and self-promotion, we struggle to give self over to the Lord. We pride ourselves on what we consider our strengths and hope nobody sees our weakness. And I'm guilty of that. If you're honest today, we could raise our hands and say we're guilty of that statement I just read to you. Nobody wants to admit our faults. But see, God knows your faults. You don't have to admit it. He's not uh, like most men. And if all of us can't see anybody truly. Only God can see who you really are. And so God knows that. So Paul, with this notion of him focusing on himself, he got rid of it and he said, I can't handle this. I can't handle self. In me dwell it no good thing. I can't handle this. So let me grab this and say, God, God, it seems like you know better than me. Can I give you this self? Can I give it to you? And you take charge of it. And that's exactly what we talk about when we say, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Every Christian should be, in one point or another, surrender their life to Jesus Christ. We all got saved because Jesus is our Savior. He was the Savior. You don't have to do anything. We don't believe in lordship salvation. But when you believe in Jesus because he's the Savior, you get saved. Your soul gets saved. But now, here's the, here's the next move. He's not only a Savior, but he's the Lord. And that involves your life. Now that you're saved, you must give your life over to your master, the Lord. And he'll take care of it. And he will be the Lord of your life and direct you and lead you and help you as the next steps that is necessary after salvation. So Paul uh, discarded this whole notion I just read to you earlier about self-thought, self-esteem, and self-promotion. And he just basically gave himself to the Lord. He really did. All right? And uh, Philippians, I'm going to read this to you quickly. Philippians 3, 5 to 8, it says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. It's talking about himself here a little bit. Of the tribe of Benjamin, talking about Paul, his accolades, who he was. An Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning seal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ by the Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. If we are to going to finish our race, we must keep our eyes on the Lord and not on ourselves. The strength is not in us, it's in Jesus Christ. Beware of expectations. Beware of expectations. They ruin your heart for God. And they take you out of the race. All right? Don't go into the, the, the life of Jesus and expecting God to do what you think is right for your life. Oh, I deserve this because I'm going to church all the time. 
I deserve this because I give the mission. I deserve this because I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. God, I deserve all of this. No, I said this to you in a matter of prayer. God is God, and he has to choose what he wants to do in your life. And so don't get upset at him. Don't be entitled, all right? Don't be entitled. Just be humble. And let God, as you give your life to God, we have, pre, we have, uh, we have uh, what you call that, reservations, and we have, uh, uh, we have uh, what you call that, the word I'm looking for. Uh, we, have, uh, we, we want parameters. When we give our life to God, uh, we have conditions. And we're going to say to God, all right, I'm going to give my life to you. It's like a negotiation, right? All right, uh, but first, God, I need to know you're going to give me a beautiful wife. All right, before I give my life to you, I, I need to know I need to get a beautiful wife. And I want four kids, and I want to live in a house that have a white picket fence. And I don't know what the reason is of a white picket fence. And I still don't understand to this day what that means. It doesn't protect you as good of a, as the Philippines with a wall of cement, you know, 10 feet tall all around you. That's what I want. You know, I don't want a white picket fence. But, uh, but uh, that's me being a Filipino, so that all messes it up. But anyways... Uh, we have conditions to God. Okay, I'm going to serve you, God, but first, let's go on the drawing board here. And uh, this is my conditions, God. You can't do that, God, unless you do this. Or, God, let's not just do that, all right? And so, really, you're the Lord of your life still, not God. When you come to God with those conditions, you're still negotiating with God. And so God is not going to do what he can because he's a gentleman and he's not going to work with you until you completely surrender your life to him. And my time is completely gone. Let me give you some of the, some of the sub-points because I'm done. I'm done. I can't do a fourth part of this. I'm done. So letter B, rely on the Holy Ghost. Rely on the Holy Ghost. Letter C, Value the service of Christ. Value the service of Christ. V-A-L-U-E. Value. All right? And letter D, uh, decide to finish with joy. Decide, D-E-C-I-D-E, to finish with joy. I might take some of these truths because they're really powerful principles and maybe use them in a, in a, in a message some point in time. Very good stuff. I wish I could give it to you. The time is so gone. Uh, letter A was just so powerful. I just wanted to explain that very well. Uh, God values you. Please don't, don't devalue yourself, all right? There's value in you, but don't overvalue yourself. Just give your life to Jesus. He will give the value of your life more than anybody else. He can truly give that value. The world, you give your life to the world, they'll deceive you, and they'll, take, they'll run with it and abuse you, use you, and then drop you. And then make fun of you and mock you and laugh at you and say to you, stupid. That's what the world will do to you. And that's what sin will do. But God is not that. He values your life. Lord, let's pray. Lord, bless our morning. Thank you for all this here. Thank you for their patience and time. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.